Hey, everybody. This is the Playful Humans podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montague, and my guest this week is the founder of The Mentor Project and a applied developmental psychologist. Her name is Deborah Heiser. She's right there. I'm excited to talk to her about uh, adults. She works specifically with midlifers and older, helping them navigate through those opportunities. And if you would like more information and more support in navigating adulthood and rediscovering the power of play, go to playfulhumans.com. That's where uh, you will find more information about playful people and ways to get out and enjoy your life, especially outdoors. Playfulhumans.com. Here we go. Deborah, welcome to the podcast. We like to talk, uh, start with the joke of the week. The joke of the week is brought to you by kleptomania. You should really take something for that. Kleptomania. Uh, all right. I thought you might like that one as a, uh, that a, good a psychologist. One. <laughs> um, but here's the actual joke of the week. Where do you learn to make the best banana splits? Ooh, where? Sunday school. Ah, All right, that'll get us started. Deborah, welcome. You can find her at DebraHeiser.com or TheMentorProject.org. Really excited to to talk to you today. So why don't you just start and tell us uh, a little bit about what you have going on? Sure. And it's such a pleasure to be on your show. I love it. I think play is so important at any age. And um, so I I was so excited to get to um, share my ideas on play, because I think it should never end. I'm an aging specialist. I'm an applied developmental psychologist, but I look at midlife and beyond. And that's where my focus is. And that's the time of life when most people think play sh- play isn't involved. And in fact, they are wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think that is kind of our, our jumping off point and a great place to start because I kind of feel like, you know, whatever you call it, I think midlife crisis is the, uh, the term everybody is aware of, but you know, it can be a midlife renaissance or anything else too for you as well. But there comes a point where you followed all of life's checkboxes and you've, you know, finished college, you got a good job, you got married, you had kids. And then you're like, Oh, there's nothing else to check off this list for like another 25 years or so until I retire. What now? And I I think that's when people realize for the first time, it's like, Oh, we were doing this you know, for a reason, or maybe I wasn't doing this for a reason. And now I need to readjust my, my priorities and stuff and figure out a way to enjoy the next 25 years, not just check stuff off of a to-do list. But how do you think about midlife and, and how do you define that or, or that sort of problem people run into? It is a problem for a lot of people. Um, I, I get asked a lot of questions about aging and they're all about how we are expecting a lot of decline in our lives. And Mm. so most people and myself back before I became an aging specialist included, um, look at life as an, uh, an upward trajectory of, you know, walking, talking, moving, all of these things very quickly, physically, and then a steady decline. Right. And so mm-hmm. if you look at it that way, that's frightening. You know, when you turn 50, what do you have to look forward to? And people will say, oh, a walker. Oh, you know, to things that are physically 
causing us to have frailty or move us backwards. So what I look at though, is what we do have to look forward to. And that is our emotional development. And that is, we start at zero, right? And and we never decline. It's always Mm. going up. And so that is something that if we're able to focus on that, we see that indeed play is involved, you know, all of these things. I don't care. I'm in my mid fifties. I don't care if I can't run as fast as I could when I was 17. I really don't care. Um, so my physical, the way I feel physically is fine. So when most people are in their fifties though, and older, they don't know what they have to look forward to and what they do have to look forward to is happy, happiness. People who are, um, 50 and older are happier than when they're 20. Most people don't realize that, but there's research that proves that. Um, and we also have the ability to feel more purpose-driven, fulfilled, content, and to have value. And part of that is that we're experts in the things we've checked those boxes in all of our lives. So once you've checked those boxes, it isn't, well, now what? It's, wow, how can I maximize that and do what I love with all that expertise? And that's what I turned into the mentor project was taking people's expertise and having some fun with that. Well, yeah, I, I think that's definitely an, an interesting part of it. I, I've seen a lot of uh, things that, that talk about what you did, that a lot of people wait for retirement tr- saying like, oh, well, then I'll have fun. But then by the time they get retired, they don't have any better ideas than they did when they're 40. And they uh, they run out of things to do. They need a purpose. They need work. And sometimes even physically, you need to be able to get out and do things. And, and I'm wondering how you think about that idea of retirement too, because I think that's the second phase where you hit your life and you go, oh, well, I'm I'm done working. I don't have to work, but now what do I do with myself? And people that succeed and find happiness, find ways to invest that time and, and use it wisely, or they spread out their retirement throughout their whole uh, midlife. So that it's really never ending. My, my dad's 72 and still working and uh, doesn't have any plans of retiring because he likes what he does and he finds fulfillment in it. So I, I think there's so many interesting conversations around here about how do you really enjoy and maximize your life? I think, you know, you're right. You're, you're really spot on on everything. We tend to think of our life as before retirement and after retirement, <laughs> right? Like there's, it's like BCAD, you know, like that kind of a thing. Um, when in reality, um, it isn't that at all. Um, most people start to have an identity when we think of that as our job, you know, I call it the identity card. So it would, if you are a teacher, you identify as a teacher. So what do you do when you leave that? You don't go home and have a classroom of kids. Um, most people don't. If you are in a job, how do you then translate that if that's your identity? So the first thing is making sure that we all identify outside of what our identity card is with regard to work, because then we can see ourselves as um, a painter, as someone who likes to fish or golf or have any cook or spend time um, at the gym, whatever it is that people like to do. Is it's if you're able to incorporate that 
identity in earlier. It allows you not to see retirement as a crisis and instead Mm -hmm. to see it as just another, it's not an ending point. It's not a starting point. It's just another part of the continuum of, you know, of where we are. And that's where, when I see people, you know, when I see clients, I see people who have a struggle with that, where they see one point in their time as a defining moment and they're looking for the playbook and there isn't really one out there that we can follow for this. Um, You know, retirement, people say, I can't wait to get out there and just live the good life, but the good life gets awfully boring after a couple of months of resting and relaxing and doing what you enjoy when you don't have purpose or meaning um, for the next next big thing you're going to do. Yeah, I, I think those are, are big words, and I want to dive into mentorship next, but um, I, I think what you said is so critical. We hear that from like athletes a lot, right? That they, when they get injured or they can't become an athlete anymore, that their identity is stuck there. But you can still be a coach. You can still be around sports. You can still do a lot of cool things, even if you can't physically play anymore. But I also love that you mentioned earlier, sometimes people get more playful and more happy as they get older and retired. And I, I love that. Um, I don't know how to say, I, I have bad terms for this, but to describe, but like the dirty old man or the person that just has no filter anymore, like the grizzly veteran, that's, that's kind of like, you know, just like, yeah, whatever kid, you know, like, let's go. Like, I love it when, uh, people get to that age where they're just like, uh, you know, have run out of shits to give, uh, I guess for a better, <laughs> better <laughs> lack of a better word, uh, because it, it seems like so freeing and awesome that it's like, Oh, this person is who they, it, they are right now. And they're living it. And a lot of times they are playful and, and fun with that. And so I'm wondering how we can merge these two together, because I feel like your work in the mentorship project and, uh, mentorproject.org is the website. I feel like mentorship is really close to play because you're typically not getting paid for it. You're investing your energy and attention and and focus into something and you don't really want it to end. It's not a goal of like a project of like, oh, I want to build this ship in a bottle. And when it's done, I set it on the shelf. It's something that's an ongoing relationship and something that you uh, can continue to bring value towards, which I think is really important. But what do you see as the the main benefits here are correlations of mentorship. You know, I go right back to what you're talking about, like the grizzly veteran. Um, I think that you're right on that. Um, you know, when you're an expert in something, you're not concerned with what other people think about you. You are not caring about the Joneses. <laughs> you know, this is a right. point, you know, when you're in your twenties and your thirties, you're looking around and you're trying to see where you fit in and you're comparing yourself to the Joneses and everybody else you're not anymore. Once you're an expert in something, you are not worried about that. So that allows for more room for enjoyment and play because you don't have that anxiety of, Ooh, did I do what I was supposed to do? You've done it. You're good. Um, so that's the first uh, thing that you picked up on that is in fact, correct. And having that extra bit of space is what makes us happier. As we get older, we have room, you know, when you're really busy with kids and busy with keeping up with the Joneses and making sure you're doing your job right and doing whatever you have to do. There's no room. 
like you're tapped. So in, in terms of um, that, that is where if we are able to really acknowledge what we're good at, whatever it is, and how many things we're good at, that makes it so that we can then have room to focus on that in the way that we like it. So it's, we don't have to go about it like a job. We're able to just say, hey, like you said, hey, kid, come on over here. And who doesn't like to share what they're good at? Who doesn't like to have someone say, wow, they're good at that. I want to be like that, or I want to do more of that. And we all feed off of that. That's just something that makes us feel really good. And the reason for that is because when you checked all the boxes, and it's like you said, you want to, you want to make sure you did everything. At some point, you've checked them. And then you want to say, what I did mattered. It wasn't just a box that was checked. And when you see someone else acknowledging that what you're good at and what you're expert in, which could be anything from being a grandma and passing on your values to being an expert in innovation. When you see someone saying, hey, that's cool, or he's cool, or she's amazing, there's something in us that is like... um, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where it clicks and you say, I did matter. And that happens for every single person that I've ever spoken with. As soon as that sort of bell rings or the, the snap of the fingers happens, you're able to say, my life mattered. It still matters. And then you have the choice at that point to say, who do I want to give my expertise to? Who do I want to spend my time with? And that's where it becomes play. That's where it becomes enjoyable. And that's where mentorship is, like you mentioned, it, it becomes like play. Yeah. And I, I think you did a great job of highlighting the one difference, really, which is play is generally just for you or for the enjoyment of it. And and mentorship can really bring a lot more meaning and it has uh, a purpose and, and value to it outside of yourself, which is Interesting. And I think that's powerful too. The The next question that came to mind for me was about boundaries, because I feel like humans are just naturally very bad at this and that there are some people like who are afraid to stop moving, right? We see them at, at every age, but especially even in retirement, they're going from one thing to another. They're picking up mentors and uh, big brothers, big sisters programs and, and working at the, the Elks Club or whatever it is and the VFW and doing all these things. To, to stay busy and don't slow down and, and enjoy it either. And then you see other people that are like, well, I don't want to commit to anything because I don't know. I don't want to, you know, I just got done with a job. I don't want to, you know, have the responsibility. I, I'm kind of over that, that part of it. How would you recommend people think about the balance? Because I think there needs to be time for recreation and play and travel and all the cool things you want to do as an adult that you finally have money for. And also, having some meaning and time and commitments that, that get you out of bed on the days you don't feel like it and that, that, you know, are fulfilling to you. So how do you balance those two? Meaning. So it's as simple as that. When kids are playing, they're not just like, it's not like random, like I'm going to throw my arm in this direction. You know, play often we think of it as something that's just completely frivolous and without any meaning. But when kids are playing, there's meaning in it unless they're just like sitting and vegging in front of the TV or something, which I don't consider really playing. But if you're playing a game, 
you know, or you're, let's say you're playing baseball or you're playing a sport or you're playing with your friends, you have to have a purpose and a meaning with that. Otherwise, you're not going to have anyone want to play with you, right? You have to be able to connect with others. You have to be able to play by the rules. You have to have some kind of, there's structure to it, right? So when we are, when we're ready to do something, if it doesn't have meaning for you, don't do it. So if somebody says, I don't feel like doing big brothers, big sisters, that's something that's not meaningful to them. They shouldn't. Maybe there's somebody that wants to do something like teach somebody how to fish. You know, we think of, of play or mentoring as having to be something so highbrow that it, if, that it becomes like a job and it shouldn't right. be. So maybe somebody does get meaning out of, uh, you know, mentoring for a big organization. But if you don't, you shouldn't feel bad about that. And you should go find what you like to do and go do that. Maybe you want to just hang out and help out with a local sports team or your grandkids teams. That's mentoring. You know, we are leading by sort of um, allowing people to see what we're doing just by letting others see that we're, we're successful. We're able to, and by successful, meaning I can get along with others. I can, you know, have relationships with people that work. I can make something happen in terms of organizing games or something like that. These are not minor things because when you're young, you need to have somebody showing you how to do that. And so that is something that I would say, do not make um, play or mentoring or anything like that so highbrow that it seems that it's unachievable because then who's going to want to do it? Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds kind of obvious, right? But there are no rules for this. Sometimes people think that you're like, oh, well, you have to commit to, you know, three days a week or whatever. Well, then you're drawing things onto it that don't need to be there. If it's not fun and fulfilling, like don't do it. Or uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but I'm thinking you can mentor a lot of people once, or you can mentor one person a lot of times. There's a lots of different flavors. Like you said, it could just be coaching and have somebody younger with kids on the team do all the responsibility stuff and the scheduling and all of the hard parts. And you just show up and, and help out at practice. Or it could be the other way. If you love all the organizing and scheduling and you don't like standing out in the heat at 90 degrees or whatever, then have somebody else do that part, right? That there really is no rules. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. The definition mentor has been something that people take to mean that there's a structure to it. And that there's the person who's the boss, and then there's the person who's the, the, the newbie or the person who's junior to them. And mentoring isn't quite like that. That's been poorly defined, you know, in terms of it being one thing. Mm -hmm. um, but mentorship is really just passing your expertise, your values, or, you, you know, some kind of thing that you have to someone else. It can be somebody lateral even. It doesn't have to be someone um, junior to you. So, um, yeah. if you wanted to mentor as, um, an adult who's retiring, you might be mentoring your neighbor in how to do what you do. So that could be home improvement. That could yeah. be whatever it is. You're still mentoring them and people don't realize that pretty much everyone mentors, but they don't acknowledge it. 
and you don't get the benefit of it until you acknowledge it. Yeah, I I love that because I think there are so many lessons that we don't necessarily like write a speech about in a PowerPoint and show somebody you can demonstrate it by being awesome. Uh, and yeah. it doesn't have to be formal either. It doesn't have to be this hour appointment uh, on a Zoom call that I'm going to coach and mentor you. Now, it, it can be spending time with people or, you know, taking kids to the zoo or anything like that are, are powerful things that I, I think people overlook because they don't see it an immediate impact or don't feel like it was mentoring the way it, it should be. It's, it's more um, just doing things you enjoy with other people that enjoy it. Uh, right. Yeah. Some people make videos of things that they're good at. So if you go on YouTube, a lot of that is what I call modern mentoring because yeah. we didn't have that in the past. You had to be physically near somebody and now you can go on and learn a million different things. I mean, I learn all kinds of home improvement things. And I'm essentially being mentored by people on YouTube all the time who I've never met in person. And so if you're someone who has an expertise and you're videotaping yourself doing something or um, imparting knowledge in some way, that is mentoring. So we don't, we now live in a digital age and we can capitalize on that and how we give back. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love doing the, the podcast that I do is I get mentored by all of the guests like yourself. So thank you for the free consulting. And, uh, and second, I get to share uh, my stories and, and expertise along the way. And I get to feel like I contribute uh, as well. I wanted your, to get to know you. I was going to say your platform itself and is a form of mentorship because you are allowing for people to come in and learn from different people. So you are in fact mentoring in the modern way before there were podcasts, this didn't exist. Yeah. And I, I think um, that's one of the things that I'm really encouraged about too, when it comes to play is that that can be so many different things and they are mentor opportunities that, you know, if you want to learn how to juggle or, do magic or canoe or play a guitar, like you're going to have to learn and connect with somebody in order to do that. And I think that's the the cool part of it is when you explore play, you create a lot more connections than you would, uh, you know, like you said, watching Netflix or, or playing video games. It kind of forces connection and learning and creativity that, that I think is the best part uh, about being alive, really. You know, one of the things that you're absolutely right. And, um, one thing that I came across is that I noticed that a lot of people want to give back and they don't know how or where. And that's one of the biggest troubling things for people is that they don't have an outlet for it. And that can be anybody, you know, the 2020 inventor of the year, Bob Cousins, didn't have an outlet. He wanted to find mentors. You know, if you're somebody who's, you know, that, is not around kids all the time or things like that, that can be an issue. And yeah. it, it's a matter of being able to find where you can connect. That's where we started with the mentor project, but anybody can overcome that wherever you are, even without the mentor project, you can take your information and knowledge and get it out on, on videos. You can um, hook up through communities and other organizations and so what you consider to be interesting might in fact be life-changing for somebody else. And it all is play. It's no different yeah. than when you're six. 
you know, and you're well, and I think the best part about what you said is you didn't mention money at all. So many people think giving back means donating money. And I found that to be um, not as powerful for me as donating my time and, and attention and um, knowledge expertise, you know, to these types of things. So once again, we're talking with Deborah Heiser. You can find her at DebraHeiser.com or mentorproject.org. I wanted to get to know you a little bit better here and then we'll end with a game, but uh, what do you do for fun? Uh, what is your, your type of play? And do you have anything left on your fun bucket list? Oh, I have so much on my fun bucket list left. Um, I start, I founded the mentor project is for fun. I don't get paid to do this. I do it. And I enjoy, I really thoroughly enjoy it. It's um, something that I firmly believe in. And so every day is like going to play. Um, and I'm able to feel like I'm doing something that matters and is meaningful. So that's my main play. But I have a ton of other hobbies that I identify with. And of course, you know, my family as well. I do consider myself um, part of my play bucket is hanging out with my teenage boys and doing what they love to do, which is baseball. But, um, yeah, you know, that's uh, and watching them grow Um in my, in terms of my future bucket list, I totally can't wait to start traveling again. Yes. Um, I want to be able to travel around the country a lot more. Um, and I want to be able to travel around the world. I'd love to be able to do that. So I'm f- crossing my fingers that we're able to all do all of those things that we want to do. You bet. Do you want to play a game? I do. All right, here we go. We have a wheel of games. There's 10 that it could possibly land on. And you got, uh, oh, this is survey says, you've probably seen this uh, on TV. We surveyed 100 people. The top answers are on the card here. Um, Do you watch many movies? I didn't ask you about movies. I don't. So, All right, this might be tough, but we'll ask you. Disappointed. Uh, We'll see. All right. Name a movie that uh, name a movie that someone who loves traveling should see. You said you love to travel. I picked a good one. Oh, for you. A movie that someone who loves traveling should see. Um, let me think of the movies that I've seen recently. Um, okay, I just saw. I think movie. all of these are pretty old, but uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, you can name whatever you want. Okay, something with travel, and it has to be a movie. Um, I just watched one with, um, oh, James Bond. That could be one, right? Lots of exotic locations uh, in that one, for sure. (laughs) All right, that works. Uh, Eat, Pray, Love was the number one answer. Oh, that is a good one, yeah. Uh, Name a movie that features a funeral. Oh, that features a funeral. Um, These are kind of tough. I went tough ones. These are, because I'm not a big movie person. So um, I honestly am stumped with that. I don't know. All right. Uh, I'll switch it out. We'll get out of the movie category. And number three, we will go. Uh, oh, the number one answer was four weddings and a funeral. Oh, um, okay. The Godfather and my girl uh, also have big funeral scenes in there. Oh. But um, uh, all right. Name a state that people like to travel to in the summer. Mm. Well, my favorite is Iowa to the Iowa State Fair. That's because I'm from Iowa. Oh, you're from Iowa. I didn't know that favorite place to go in the summer and everyone else should go there too. In the summer, it is the best place to go in the summer in August. That is awesome. Where in Iowa are you from? Des Moines. 
Oh, okay. Awesome. My uh, dad grew up in Creston and uh, my sister went to Simpson College in Indianola as well. Uh, Oh, very cool. We were just uh, there, as a matter of fact, a couple weeks ago in in Iowa. Well, that is uh, awesome. And you are now in New York, though. We should let uh, let people know if they want to check out and hire you. Do public speaking and all kinds of uh, coaching good stuff at DebraHeiser.com and the Mentor Project. But for playing the game, I'll give you a free 30 second commercial. What should people uh, check out? Do you have any asks or, or gifts for the audience? Oh, you know, first of all, I'd love if anyone is looking for a mentor or would like to mentor, please check out mentorproject.org. We offer mentoring to kids for free around the world and it's top experts in their fields. If you're interested in that, um, whether you're K through university check us out because we can match you up with a mentor. If you're a school and you're looking for um, mentoring for your classes, we can do that. Um, Some of the other uh, things that you can check out or check out all the work that many of our mentors have done. There's some pretty cool people. We have the inventor of the year. We have um, the guy who invented the firewall um, is one of our mentors and, and one of our founding members. Um, we have astrophysicist and astronaut, you name it. We've got some really cool people. So I just like to give that plug for everybody to check it out because it's free. You bet. Mentorproject.org. And uh, Deborah, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for, for more information me. on uh, Playful Humans, go to playfulhumans.com. There's a personality quiz you can take there where you can uh, discover which type of play you like best and some suggestions for how to do more of that. And you can join the community of other adults rediscovering the power of play there in the club at playfulhumans.com. Uh, until next time, subscribe to the podcast, hit the likes and shares, help us out there and uh, go play. I'm good. 